Greeting listeners and fellow Star Wars fans. This is your host Justin Gray and you are listening to Trench Run Report. And here with me is fellow co-host Aaron Russo standing by. And today we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 4 of The Bad Batch. Disclaimer, we are going into full detail, so if you haven't watched the episode that we're covering, I highly recommend that you do so before listening to this segment. To start off, Aaron is going to give us a brief recap of the episode. And after that, we'll kind of just bounce back and forth and uh, talk about our individual likes and dislikes. Alright, so the episode was called Cornered, um, and the episode starts with the Bad Batch and Omega on their ship, and there's some conversation about um, the ship being tracked and the signal being, I guess, like, wanted, for lack of a better word. Um, But then uh, the conversation about, it becomes about getting food and supplies so we get the sense that they're now like realizing like oh we don't have like the republic to supply us with food and rations and all that and whatever they need so they decide to uh land on pantora which is a familiar planet in the star wars universe and to uh, try to get some supplies so they decide to send uh, uh hunter and omega and echo disguised as a droid to uh, go and get some rations while um, Tech and Wrecker stay behind to scramble the signal on the ship. Um, So we kind of follow those two storylines. Most of it is Hunter and and Omega and Echo going into town, I guess you could say, um, where they uh, have a pretty comedic little scenario where they uh, sell Echo to a street vendor so they can get some cash uh, to to uh, get the supplies that they need. Uh, and while they're in the process of doing that, Omega um, uh, runs off. And it's at that point that we're introduced to Fennec Shand once again, who we actually see earlier in the episode. She just gets the information from the informant on Pantora that there's that the Bad Batch and Omega are there. Um, and we get actually get the sight of uh, the puck with the image of Omega. So she's actually there's actually a bounty out. Um, so then that results in a ex- pretty much the rest of the episode being a chase through the streets, quote unquote, the streets of Pantora um, to get Omega back and away from Fennec Shand. Um, and then Echo has a pretty humorous scenario where he liberates the droids that are working for the street vendor and they go back and repair the ship um and after the chase scene omega is recovered they all go back to the ship and um they make their way off the planet so pretty straightforward storyline not a lot of jumping around really no jumping around at all the whole storyline follows these characters in this location so that's it in a nutshell all right, so before we get going, I think it's worth mentioning that Sean and David couldn't actually join us today, but Sean will still be a part of this segment. He was able to pre-record his likes, dislikes, ratings, and theories. However, David had something come up at the last minute and wasn't able to record pre-record anything. So we'll do our best to insert 
Sean's comments and views at the appropriate times to fit with the discussion. So we'll be listening to uh, Sean's uh, discussions first, and then uh, after that, Aaron and I will kind of bounce off uh, each other with our likes and dislikes, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, so my likes and dislikes on this episode. Um, I liked the uh, city setting. I thought it was cool. I, I really liked the part of Attack of the Clones where they're chasing uh, the bounty hunter through the city. I think that was really unique. Uh, and so this obviously had very strong vibes and throwback to that. I really liked that a lot. Uh, I think it was, you know, just exciting for the episode. Overall, although it's just another kind of problem is presented in the first 30 seconds of the episode requiring a redirection or a detour, but we don't really know where they're supposed to be going anyway. So they have to reroute to some planet and solve a problem and have a problem happen while they're trying to solve that problem. And then they overcome that problem with action, and then they're back on their way. So as far as like plot A to B, it's just formulaic at this point, um, which maybe works for this format, for this kind of show. And it does serve a higher purpose of, in this case, introducing another character, Fennec Shand, who we know of, but these characters don't know this person yet. Um, And so it is for the purpose of introducing this character and weaving them into the story and introducing a new mystery there. Uh, And then, of course, it's develop. Uh, develop our established characters, especially Omega, um, and in this case, uh, also Echo. We got to see Echo a little bit, and you know he's probably feeling a little bit different than the other uh, members of the Bad Batch. He is the odd man out, both because he's a reg, a regular clone who just is more cyborg at this point, um, but he is not, you know, genetically modified or altered in any way, uh, as far as the other uh, members of his crew. Um, but being both a you could say a disabled veteran or a, uh, you know, as a uh, cyborg or defective, he's defective in another way, right? He's got all these uh, problems and injuries from the war. Um, so he doesn't quite fit in with the regs. He's not going to be kind of combat ready as is, um, but he's adept in this, in this group, but he's also different than this group. So I'm, I am interested to see where that's going to go with him. Uh, it got to see, you know, some, a little bit of the dynamic there. He, you know, he said, don't sell me out for 2000 credits, but apparently 3000 credits is good enough or close enough. Um, and I thought that was kind of clever and interesting. Um, I think another thing I liked was we got to see that, um, our bad batch characters, they're used to being in a clean, as clean as it can be war setting with clear lines of command, rules of engagement things like that and operating kind of within a military structure, uh, even as Bad Batch where they're kind of rogue mavericks. Um, and this is kind of the underworld gray area and they are a little bit out of their element. And so they didn't you know, kind of understand that they had to bribe the guy. Uh, and then they didn't understand that um, if they can buy someone off, then that person is just as willing to sell them out for a higher price, which is exactly what happened. Uh, and so, you know, it's just kind of interesting seeing them do that and bumble through that. Um, and it, you know, these aren't perfect characters. You just know the underworld. This, these guys are very different than, uh, like Din Djarin, who's very, very much comfortable in this underworld. I think we're going to see a lot more of that with the Andor series, which I'm excited to see. Uh, some of that seedy, uh, dark underworld part of Star Wars, which I think is, uh, really gold for this, like kind of the film noir genre would be cool. Uh, so you saw that with like the beginning of Rogue One. You see that with, um, you know, Ahsoka's kind of descent story in season seven, where she's kind of in the underworld of Coruscant. Um, you see a little bit of that in the prequels. 
and then you get hints of it in the original trilogy with kind of Han Solo and bounty hunters and Jabba and all that. And then obviously Book of Boba Fett will hopefully dive deeper into that. So I think that's all very safe in terms of um, core to feeling like Star Wars. And we got to see a lot of that with this episode, which was good. Um, as with a previous episode, there was, uh, I guess it was episode two, there was basically no uh, real Imperial presence or threat in this episode. So we didn't see any Crosshair or his crew. Um, the Empire that we did see was you know, being celebrated and welcomed with open arms. People were kind of gobbling up the propaganda and the parades, um, very eager to accept the Empire in this place. Um, so I don't know, um, you know, our characters are adjacent to this kind of thing, just kind of observing it. So we're seeing resistance, we're seeing skepticism, we're seeing fear from the like farm planet where they're kind of afraid of all this a little more. And in this case, it's more of like a very supportive world. And I think that's interesting just to see the different kind of uh, political leanings of every group and every planet in this new empire and uh, kind of everyone finding their new footing with the big disruption that we've had. Uh, that is interesting to see. All right. Well, uh, what were your thoughts, likes, and dislikes, Aaron? Um, well, as far as my likes go, um, I think I what I, I really enjoyed about the episode was a combination of um, the continuing um, camaraderie, like just the interactions between the Bad Batch characters, like just the way that they bounce off of each other and like how their specific personalities all bounce off of each other. Like I loved the, the whole thing with uh, Tech and Wrecker where... Uh, where they're like, okay, so this part is behind this thing, and he's like, ah, oh, just tell me what to rip out, you know, like, like, so you get like Tech and Wrecker bouncing off of each other, which I thought was really cool. Then you had Hunter and Echo going off on their mission and bouncing off of each other, and like, mm-hmm. I'm and I'm really enjoying like how they continue to build that, you know, like you're the, for me like one of the things I really liked about this episode was that I feel like the Bad Batch is just growing on me more and more, which I think is really important and probably is what is going to mean a lot as the epi- as the season goes on um there were just a lot of little moments like the the scene with tech and wrecker or when echo and hunter are uh deciding how much to sell echo for i just thought that was funny and how echo is kind of like sighing and like it's like oh gosh <laughs> okay i'll be sold as a droid or whatever and then uh just the way that they that they interact together is just is really interesting and how they are all very unique characters um, and they don't always necessarily like get along but it's always very light and they all you know care about each other take care of each other you know they're very committed to the cause or to themselves and each other so I really enjoyed those those elements um, uh, like Sean mentioned I loved the the visual and sound vibe of Pantora. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved uh, the th- the callback, really, in many ways, to the opening chase scene from Attack of the Clones. I thought visually and even like audio, like there were so many sounds that came right out of. I'm sure they were just pulled right out of Attack of the Clones, um, and I really loved that. I loved the like toned down kind of Coruscant street level feel with uh, you know the speeders and the lanes of ships like above ground that were flying I loved all of that the street scene I think was was great um, visually color wise sound um, music that really interesting 
um, theme sounds that came up when Fennec Shand was on the screen were also really haunting and kind of cool. Um, so I loved all of that. Um, and I loved the, the, the chase scene just for the sake of, of feeling like that callback to At- Attack of the Clones, which I thought was, was great. Um, it was almost like some beats were just like almost exactly the same. And I thought that was really entertaining. Um, probably the highlight for me was the introduction of Fennec Shand. And, and by that, I think, I think I was really tempted to feel like this was a filler episode, but I really don't think it was. Um, because we get very clear, you know, information here about the story which is that Fennec Shand has been hired, we assume by the Kaminoans, to bring Omega back. She actually has the like puck thing, like we used, we saw Din Djarin use, like where she where he can like bring up a hologram of his bounty. So like Omega is now like there's a bounty out for her, assuming that's the Kaminoans trying to get her to come back. Um, and so Fennec is now uh, obviously probably going to be an ongoing part of the sh- of the season uh, in terms of being uh, a villain or a character that's that's after the Bad Batch um, and then you have on top of Crosshair so I love it, it kind of really sets up like how the Bad Batch are really the combination of them being trying to adjust to post-war reality and then they have this now they have a bounty hunter chasing them um, I think all of that just really served to set up really well, like more of what the story is going to be like and what, what this is all about. Um, and I didn't mind the side mission part of it, although I thought it was interesting. Like as far as I can tell, um, they never got a single thing that they came there for <laughs> because he got the credits and then immediately had to go chase Omega down, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, so those were most of my likes dislikes um didn't really have strong dislikes i didn't i didn't i think it was of the four episodes so far it was probably my least favorite but that's only because i think the first three were really just really good um and i thought that if anything like i just some of the scenarios where omega is in so much peril sometimes kind of throws me off like for a child she's put into a lot of very perilous situations and some of them seem a little above her head like I'm trying to still trying to figure out like why do they keep taking Omega with them on the dangerous parts of the episodes <laughs> it's like and that kind of throws me off but I know it's necessary for the story development but I, I feel like I, they can't decide if she's just this like kind of helpless little kid or if she's really capable because on the one hand she does come off as like this liability but then on the other hand, she comes across as very capable and contributing to the storyline. So some of, the, some of the time in the episode, it felt like more kid on a kid level, which I sometimes don't like, even though I have to remind myself, like, this is a kid's show in many ways. Um, so some of the scenarios, like, you know, where Omega is just, like, playing with the toys in the shop, and then she knocks stuff over, and then she goes out to pet the little animals, and then she foolishly runs off you know like without paying attention to what she's doing um maybe that's a little bit bothersome um but yeah i mean i think i don't i don't know that i that i had any other really significant dislikes of the episode other than the fact that from what i saw that it is it was the shortest episode so far which was kind of a bummer but 
Yeah. Other than that, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the episode. Like I said, not my favorite episode, but not a bad episode. Okay. So, uh, likes and dislikes. Um, very similar to what has been said before. Um, I liked the uh, um, family dynamic that the Bad Batch is uh, uh, getting into, and similar to um, Rebels and uh, and like other other aspects of the um, Star Wars franchise. <clears throat> I uh, I really liked the segment with uh, e- Echo and Hunter uh, discussing on us uh, how much to sell them for, and uh, and I liked how at the end he was like, "You got me for a bargain." <laughs> it kind of shows that Echo knows his self-worth in a way, and I really like that. Um, and, and I also like how, how they uh, um, pair the team off with uh, different team members, kind of like how Community does with their crew. This time we get Tech with uh, Wrecker, and we already know how well they bounce off each other, and like how much uh, Tech really tolerates... Uh, record to like a certain point and it seems like every time he keeps getting closer to that like where if I was tech I'd probably throw something at record um I, I really like the um the way that they introduced Fennec Shane as you said and uh but I also really like the um fact that she's kind of a mentor to uh Omega as well um maybe not for the best reasons um, they did steal some food, and uh, she was like, "Should we pay for this?" And she's like, "Well, sometimes you gotta bend the rules," and and, and it's kind of like uh, what the bad batch do anyway. But it kind of just uh, brings up the question: to what extent should we be rule breaking? So I thought that was kind of kind of cool and something that might affect Omega later on. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, dislikes, um, not, not that many, um, it, it's a pretty, it was a pretty solid episode for me, um, the only, like, one thing that really grinded my teeth, and this is, like, super nitpicky, but, um, I did watch, uh, Star Wars Resistance, and I did notice that they used the, uh, uh, same little, uh, dog animal, uh, that they used in, uh, Resistance, and I was just, like, out of all the material that you could have pulled from, this is probably one of the worst ones that you've ever done. And I kind of get that the Star Wars uh, crew likes to kind of poke fun of things that didn't work. Like how uh, Bill Burr like, mentioned uh, Candlebite Gungans and uh, that in The Mandalorian. So I, I, think they're, I think that's what they were doing here. But um, well, other than that, um, it was a pretty good episode. Alright, so uh, as far as ratings for this episode, um, I would give it a good 7.5 out of 10, somewhere around there. So uh, now uh, we'll listen to Sean's uh, rating. Overall, for my rating on this episode, I think it overall rates higher uh, than the previous episode did for me, which I think I middled it out at a 7, but that's because part of it was like a 5 and another part was an 8. Um, so I think this one's like 7.5 or 8 for me. Uh, this would be one I would rewatch. I think it was uh, well done. It was entertaining and exciting. Uh, there was less parts that dragged than the last episode. So this one's a solid seven and a half to me. All right. What, what was your uh, rating, Aaron? I'm going to say I'm going to stick with seven out of ten. I think it was definitely not an eight, nine, or ten for me. Uh, seven out of ten. It was probably the least 
complicated episode that really just stuck with one storyline, um, which was a little bit less engaging for me, um, but still really good. Um, I feel like I, once I realized I, it really wasn't a filler episode in the sense that it, it did introduce a new character that I think is going to be an ongoing part of the story, um, that got me over the hump to like giving it a solid seven. Um, I think that, like I said before, of the four episodes so far, it's probably my least favorite. But I don't think it was a bad episode. I think it was just, you know, the first three, I think, were just so good. I think, for me, not having anything about Crosshair, nothing about the Empire, nothing about the clone, Stormtrooper, conflict, um, all of that missing maybe took it down a notch for me, just focusing on that. Um, But, yeah, I think it was a solid 7 out of 10. All right, sounds like a pretty uh, consistent rating. All right, so uh, we're going to be heading into speculations, and uh, Sean has a few of them. So we're going to be listening to the following. Um, as far as any theories or, or takeaways or big questions, my uh, main theory right now is that I'll say the Death Troopers in Rogue One are either the last of these Bad Batch guys completely reprogrammed, or they are Crosshair's legacy, if not Crosshair himself. So, and the reason I have to go on that is a Crosshair's armor and kind of outfit uh, is very reminiscent of what the Death Troopers end up looking like with their kind of black, sleek, and slim-looking armor, um, which is, in my opinion, one of the coolest things Star Wars has done in a long time was those Death Troopers. The voice uh, modulation gives a kind of cybernetic spin to it like you're not sure if these are really people or how much humanity or humans how much of a human is left in there you don't know that which is really cool and menacing um and you know it it does leave room for perhaps the clone voice is recognizable enough out there in the galaxy that they have to kind of disguise it Uh, otherwise people would recognize the clone accent it's just a theory um and then the other piece of evidence, which is probably a little more speculative, is I was happening to listen to the uh, some of the theme songs and some of the scores and soundtracks this week, and um, pretty close to each other, the Bad Batch theme song came on, a couple different versions of it, and then pretty soon after that I heard um, director Krennic's theme, which kind of plays whenever Krennic is around in Rogue One, along with the Death Troopers, and they are very similar themes. Uh, they're different composers, but they're just... The themes are very similar, like eerily similar. I don't know if it's because there's a connection between the Republic and clones uh, and Empire between all those strands, and that's why there's that musical theme that ties it all together, or if they are hinting at something. It wouldn't be the first time, so that's happened before. Um, I think people called way before uh, the Force, or way before the Rise of Skywalker came out. Uh, that Ray's theme has a lot in common with Palpatine's theme or the, the music around Palpatine. And obviously, we find out that Ray is a Palpatine. And that was kind of hinted at, or some people found that out, or were able to kind of predict that out of the music. So it's not unprecedented for Star Wars to kind of hint and nod things like this in the, in the music. And um, as I mentioned before, the music in Star Wars is one of my favorite things about it, um, being from a kind of musical background in school growing up, and just being immersed in the soundtracks ever since. Um, that is, I don't think, a outlandish claim, or at least a piece of evidence offered uh, just in fun here. Uh, perhaps there is a connection between the Bad Batch, these clones, and what Crosshair is doing, and what we see 
culminate in the Death Troopers, um, which I believe are all wiped out by the end of Rogue One. Obviously, we don't see Death Troopers again, as far as I know. Um, and that might have been the last of that batch, as it were. Um, but, you know, 20 years, 19 years or so is enough time uh, for some development. And it is a wide open blank slate right now in this early Empire period. And I'm really curious to see if my little pet theory plays out. Okay, so, um, yeah, that was... Those are pretty cool speculations. So do you have anything to add to that, Aaron? Um, yeah, I mean, that was... Yeah, I, didn't, I kudos to Sean for picking up on those musical cues. I never would have would have picked up on that. Um, I love that, you know, this show is doing some, some really cool stuff with, like, telling the central story of the Bad Batch, which is... I, I'm really glad that it's, it's, it is its own story and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the characters. I'm enjoying their journey. I'm enjoying their, the development of their, uh, story. Uh, but it also is doing at the same time, like some really interesting stuff. Like, you know, like it is at raising a lot of questions about like, how is this all connected to the entire rest of the star Wars canon? Right? Like, and it's exciting. And I realized the only other original show that we've gotten uh, is Mandalorian. Um, and then we have The Bad Batch. Clone Wars Season 7 was really just a continuation of what was existing already. Um, but, you know, and bringing in Fennec Shand, um, you know, raises questions about, okay, this. so now we've seen her in The Mandalorian. We know that she's going to be in Book of Boba Fett. And now she's in the Bad Batch, so like I'm really curious to see like one of the a lot of I've heard a lot of theories about like that this is setting up uh, the backstory between her and Boba Fett possibly, um, mm-hmm. because prior to Mandalorian season two, like we really don't get anything. You know, she's just we we meet her in Mandalorian season one. She's just this badass bounty hunter, but we don't know anything about her, and then she you know gets rescued and becomes a much more central part of season two. Um, and then we find out at the end of season two that she's going to be in Book of Boba Fett. We get her here. So I think she's going to be a more and more prominent character. And so I'm cu- curious to see how that goes. I guess I'm assuming that there is a backstory between her and Boba Fett. So I guess one of my theories would be that they're also going to weave that that plot line through from Mandalorian, Bad Batch, and Book, Book of Boba Fett. So it's really cool to see that and speculate on that. Um, I think the other interesting speculation is where does Omega fit not only in this story, but in the larger story? Like, what are their long-term plans for her? Um, She's obviously, like, really kind of the central character here that we don't know a lot about. And we're trying to figure out, you know, where she fits. And, like, speculation could be, like, you know, she could be part of or connect to the sequel trilogy in some kind of way um the death trooper uh speculation has been kind of going on since day one mm-hmm. um it does seem like that's where they're going like like just like sean mentioned like with the uniforms with the way crosshair functions like how he's tall slender and pretty pretty merciless could very well be that he's he's the precursor to the death troopers um I mean, it'd be really cool, a really cool storyline if it didn't work out that way. I think the Death Troopers are still really cool. Um, one thing that I was, I thought was interesting was there was a lot of speculation last week about Wrecker with his head injury and the fact that he kept talking about his head. And then in this episode, we had that moment where he faces off with Fennec Shand and he kind of just takes a blow to the head and goes down, which seemed a little 
wow, like you just went down that quickly. Um, they didn't revisit that issue of his head hurting during this episode. Um, so I don't know if that was just a speculation gone awry, but like I do wonder if Wrecker is still impaired in some kind of way. So it's going to be really interesting. I think one of the things I've heard a lot of people speculating about is like what is going to be the outcome for the Bad Batch. Like we don't know if this is going to be a multi-season show, although I'm assuming it probably will be. But the Bad Batch obviously don't exist in the sequel trilogy. So similar to the characters in Rogue One, this could be a very tragic story. I know that there was there was some news this week. Kevin Kiner, you know, harkening back to music, maybe Sean heard about this. I'm sure if he did, he would he had something to say about it. That uh, apparently he was quoted as saying like that he was composing the music for the finale of the season and that he was crying. Um, so I think that we're headed to some tragic endings here. Oh and I think that it's probably going to center around, you know, probably one of the main characters, maybe the whole Bad Batch. I don't know. But, yeah. So I really like the fact that we're going one episode a week, like where they're releasing one episode a week because it gives you plenty of time to speculate and kind of flesh things out. But it's also just really hard to, you know, it's like and everybody's thinking, oh, this has got to be true. And it's just completely not. But that's the fun of it. But, yeah. Other than that, my uh, the other theory that had been floating around that I think is dying off, which is the Omega being Force-sensitive. Still not a fan of that theory. Don't think that's where it's going. Probably the biggest speculation for me is, like, you have, you have cloning. Cloning is, like, it's it comes up in The Mandalorian. It comes up in Rise of Skywalker. It comes up in Bad Batch. You know, and I, it just seems like there's some kind of throughput here, like, all this cloning stuff is all pointing to Rise of Skywalker. And I think that somehow all of this is going gonna, is gonna to be used to kind of like flesh out and give legitimacy to the idea that Palpatine could clone himself and come back to life. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Grogu, who's Force-sensitive. You've got Omega, who's apparently a, an exceptional clone. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see I would imagine at some point this is all going to connect to to that part of the sequel trilogy. So, no speculation, nothing. Yeah, I don't really have too much uh, to speculate at this point, but but I am but I am kind of excited to see some theories work and then some theories like just get obliterated. <laughs> but yeah, I think that concludes uh, this uh, episode of Bad Batch Meetings. Uh, so uh, next week, we will not be uh, doing a Bad Batch Meetings, uh, but we will be convening the week afterwards uh, to cover both episodes uh, 5 and 6. So um, until then, this is the Trench Run Report, and may the Force be with you. Always.